start and I can edit out whatever or edit in some stuff <laughs> but okay ladies and gentlemen welcome to the first ever uh, creative corner podcast I'm joined by Patrick Fisher director of Erie Arts and Culture today um, this this podcast is going to be directed towards creatives towards entrepreneurs in the creative industry in Erie um, and who better to have than you here today Patrick um, so if you just want to give us a little intro about yourself, um, I know you've been back in Erie for two years now. And no. No? No, not even a year yet. Really? Yeah, okay. Yeah. When was it in 2018? Yeah, so it was September 19th, 2018. Okay. Uh, so coming up on a year anniversary here in a day cool. or two. Cool, cool. And you grew up in Erie, obviously. Uh, so I was born in Erie, but I was raised in Crawford County. Um, living in rural Crawford County, though, your choices are either go down to Pittsburgh or up to Erie. Whether okay. So... For me, my family uh, came up to Erie because my grandparents lived in Erie, my cousins lived in Erie. So whether it was going to the WWF or going to the circus or going back to school shopping, uh, mm. we always came up to Erie to do those things. The WWF, that's yeah, awesome. Oh my gosh, I used to watch uh, Monday Night Raw like all the time. My guys were um, the short guy, I can't remember his name, but he had this trick, it was called the 712, and he'd grab on, yes, yeah. yes. He'd go around like the outside of the uh, ropes he was my man, and then Batista. My my so my uh, connection to WWE, I guess now is more towards like the cartoon era, so like pre Attitude okay. Era, where like all of the characters were like these almost comic book like personas or cartoon personas. So yeah. you had Yokozuna and the Undertaker and Doink yeah. the Clown and you know uh, Tatanka. Yeah. All of those. Are, so <laughs> they were awesome. kind of like these. That's a little before my time, but I definitely. A little bit of like mysticism behind them, etc. Yeah. Um, but I remember uh, that was like my first live entertainment experience was my grandfather took me and my cousins to see the WWF at the Civic Center. And I remember seeing like the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal, and The Undertaker. And, and That's the awesome. And just the they had them down here in Erie? Yeah, area? yeah. This was, I mean, this was probably late 80s, early 90s. Uh, but yeah. I remember just being like, this is the coolest thing ever. Which yeah. is very like, you know, very theatrical in and of itself. It and is. It definitely is. Especially back then, there were so many theatrics involved with it. Yeah. And I feel, I don't know necessarily if that um, is still around. Do they still have like... Uh, the WWE coming to Erie sometimes? Yeah, they were just here maybe a month or two ago. That's um, awesome. It wasn't like a, a recorded uh, performance, but yeah, yeah. They, they still came in. That's um, sick. That's, again, I've been so disconnected <coughs> for that for so long, um, but I do know Likewise, that uh, yeah. Erie Insurance Arena still does uh, bring them in. That's cool. It's like, it's such a cultural, like, uh, everybody that grew up like in our time range knows that, and yeah. I feel like a lot of people were a fan of that. So there's also local wrestling too. There's uh, two different local outfits that do wrestling. One uh, is at the Avalon. They used to be up at Perry Highway Hose Company. Uh, I'm not sure where the other ones. There was one that used to perform out of uh, St. Patrick's um, Gymnasium when that was there, um, and that was always super fun to go to as well. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, so I guess kind of getting getting into the creative aspect of everything, um, you come in as as the director of Erie Arts and Culture, and you see Erie in in what way? Uh, so Erie is a city that's certainly in the midst of a renaissance. Um, we mm. have always been a city that makes things, right? If you look at our industrialization, mm. uh, we were a city that drive made down things. 12th Street up here, yeah. right? Even before 12th Street, though, when it was all kind of bayfront activity, etc. Um, even going back to War of 1812, shipbuilding, right? If we look at our earliest industries, they were all building things. 
Um, and I think that we are continuing in that lineage, but in new creative ways. Um, I think that we've all realized that manufacturing uh, is still going to always be a part of our identity, but a lot mm. of the jobs that have been lost will not be coming back right. uh, due to automation yep. and a global market. Right. Um, but I think that there's realization that the creative industries and knowledge-based economies where uh, we're creating intellectual property now mm. uh, and we're creating um, creative endeavors, uh, we're realizing that that can actually be a very vibrant part of our economy. Mm. Uh, it can be also what helps attract other industries into Erie. Uh, if you look at the Renaissance building alone, it's it's probably the single highest concentration of creative industries. It's amazing. In, I love it there. In the county. Uh, and you have an organization <coughs> like Radius Cowork that really has done a great job of bringing these uh, individual freelancers and self-employed individuals into a collective working space and then growing their capacity over time to the point that they now need their own office space. So if you go in there, you have a company that designs and publishes video games. You have an animation company that does work for Disney and Pixar. You have two film production companies, one that also has an office out in Los Angeles. You have graphic designers, copywriters, mm -hmm. um, videographers, photographers, all of these different really great creative industries and services that right. exist in one building in downtown. Uh, but it's you're also seeing pop-ups of places like um, Grounded Print Shop that wants to do print and paper making and, and all of these other creative industries that are popping up because we have the luxury of space being affordable. Mm -hmm. um, you know, That's something that Sean speaks on a lot, a lot. Sean, for the listeners, doesn't or, uh, is the co-founder of Radius, so he, he speaks to that exactly what you said so often. Um, space is affordable, and it's it's great for creatives to, to come in and be able to collaborate within that space and just, you know, um, make things together. So. Yeah. Yeah, and you have you have organizations and businesses that are helping accelerate these businesses. You know, we have a lot of tech companies that have come into Erie over the last three or so years because of organizations like Ben Franklin Technology Partners, the Erie Innovation District, the um, different. There's a few others that also do kind of acceleration of of these businesses, and I right. think that. All of it combined uh, makes Erie a very attractive location for creative businesses and creative industries. Mm -hmm. You can also uh, compound that with things like opportunity zones and other uh, tax benefits, like the state of Pennsylvania has tax incentives for film production and video game production. So knowing that we have that here as a, as a tool in our toolkit to attract these types of businesses, you know, both into the Commonwealth, but also hopefully into the city of Erie or Erie County at the least. Mm -hmm. Do you have, uh, it's funny you bring up video games and video game creation. Do you have any strong opinions on esports or how do you feel about the video game industry in general? Um, so I think the video game industry in general is a really challenging industry. I think that anytime you have something that involves code and the creation of code, you wind up having employees that get burned out. You mm -hmm. know, it's, uh, it's you hear about Crunch Week and other things where people are putting in just insane amount of hours and, and winding up with really severe mental health issues as a result of it. That's true. Um, so I think that I appreciate the fact that Matt White, who has Whitethorn Digital, is looking at how do you create solutions to these challenges that plague the industry as a whole. Um, I think esports is really interesting because you know, if you talk to Carl um, at the Erie Innovation District, he, he views eSports as that preliminary step 
to get a more diverse audience interested in careers in coding, in mm-hmm. careers in video game production, et cetera. As like an intro, right? right. So, so people that are coming up through video games into the bigger picture. Right. That's right. smart, yeah. And I think that uh, knowing <coughs> that Edinburgh University has a eSports league, knowing that there's conversations right. about starting an eSports league in, in uh, the city, that is how you create those future jobs that have diverse candidates uh, is by attracting them in the in a way that is relevant to them when they're going their developmental years before they go off to college, et cetera. Absolutely. Um, so I, while I don't, I, I personally don't play video games, um, <laughs> not because I don't enjoy Growing them. up yeah, through the, through the WWE years, you uh, never got into so like so uh, I had a, I had Raw. I Nintendo or? Entertainment System mm-hmm. um, and definitely uh, played that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and I had a Sega Genesis, but after that, it was like I got to this point where I was like, "Well, girls don't like video games. <laughs> there you go. Play video games. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, the there was a stigma around kind of nerd culture, so video yeah. games, comic books, uh, superheroes. So I grew up really liking comic books, um, but again, like when you get into about third or fourth grade, and you realize like, well, girls don't like these things. Yeah, this these, isn't cool. This is a right? childish thing I should put behind. So, right. Uh, especially growing up in a very rural part of Pennsylvania. Um, I feel like there was certain stigmas around those interests that just you grow out of uh, right. because you're intended to. Now, though, you look at so many different uh, pop icons and athletes and hip hop mm-hmm. artists, etc., and like all of them talk about video games yes. and yep. uh, comic books, etc. So it's it's embraced right. now. Like anime, all right, of that across right. the board. Yep. Right. So uh, I would say that my involvement with video games probably ended around the Sega Genesis but also like I didn't grow up in a household where like my dad was going to drop a couple hundred bucks for me to have a video game system sure understood yeah I think like you said it is it's become such a part of culture now Uh, like video games anime uh, comic books cartoons all of that stuff across the board Um, it's interesting to see and it's interesting that that kind of stuff is cool it's almost like edgy like um, I don't know like people people really want to get into that kind of stuff esports is such a huge industry and it's exploding right now uh like you said there's hip-hop artists like drake played with ninja and that was like the cultural explosion yeah so. i mean when i was a kid i don't <clears throat> think anybody would have ever imagined that you could earn six figures playing video games mm-hmm. at competitions or through streaming services I mean, right when i was a kid you wouldn't even know what a streaming service was right but that would have never been imagined as a potential career and obviously it's very similar probably uh, conversion with professional athletes, right? Very small percentage of people will actually earn right. a livable income like doing Like less this. than 1%, you know? Right. Yeah. But knowing that that's, you know... But it's achievable, right? right? Video games, it takes talent, but at a certain point, it feels like, hey, I could do that, you know? Well, even just content creation in general, right? Mm-hmm. So even if you're not playing at a competitive tournament level, knowing that, like, my nephew loved watching people play minecraft more than he actually played minecraft right that blew my mind yeah uh it's the modern television right right? so knowing that there's careers for content creators i know individuals that are artists that do videos of them creating pieces and they'll talk to people as they're creating the piece they'll answer questions etc but they have subscribers that just watch them in the creative process right Uh, so knowing that as an artist and as a creative now you have secondary income sources outside of just the product itself mm-hmm. you know now the content that surrounds the creation of the product is 
is marketable and, and, and can be a revenue stream for you is, is such an interesting process. I mean, that's really why I don't believe in local artists. You know, you're an artist that lives and works in Erie, but now more than ever, you have the ability to reach a global audience. Absolutely. If you're yep. utilizing platforms in the way that they're intended to be utilized. I believe in that so much, yeah. yeah. And I think that <laughs> 2 billion active users daily on Facebook is something that you can't ignore, right? Even if you're a local artist, you want that that initial following from, from the local area. But if you have bigger aspirations, it's, it's out there today. And it's so accessible through social media, through, let's say, podcasts like this. It goes out to so many people, you know? I think it's even turned its upside, turned the <clears throat> structure on its head, to be honest with you. You know, there's that saying that you're an expert once you leave and then come back. And I think that with platforms like YouTube and Twitch and uh, Facebook and Instagram, you might not be appreciated at the local level, but once the local level sees that you have 75,000 other followers from outside of the local area following you, mm -hmm. all of a sudden there's like this level of validity that comes with it. That's very uh, true, yeah. But I also think that with that comes a lot of complexities. I think there's this belief that you have to appeal to everyone and you have to connect with everyone, but um, Kevin what Kelly What if has, they don't like me? Right? Well, Kevin Kelly has a really great article called A Thousand True Fans, and it, and it defines what a true fan is and why it's important to connect with your true fan base as opposed to just kind of that passive. Like somebody liking instead of a comment, right? Well, or no, or engaging it's even with someone your... purchasing as opposed to just liking, sure. right? Any great. one of us can thumb through our Instagram account and like things without right. any right I'm saying that would be like the lower side of the, or right. the not engaged fan right it's know? a passive interaction but knowing that oh I like this and I'm going to click through their profile the link in their profile to make a purchase mm. um, that's your true fan looking at how you grow that true fan base uh, and, and really focusing on appealing to those individuals that do you know act accordingly and, and that are being converted into purchasers or financial supporters of what you're doing because it is really easy to get caught up in statistics of, of you know those amount that follow you those amount that like you etc knowing that that still might mean you're only you know earning 500 bucks a year off of sales because you have a lot of likes and you have a lot of followers but you haven't found a way to convert them to an actual patron right so I think that um not to shift gears, but just continuing kind of with the artists and, and that kind of stuff online. We've had, and we're across the street from one right now, uh, Zed was over there and painted this incredible mural on, on the uh, the part, what's the name of it across here? It was the former Erie General Tire Building. Okay. Yeah, so they have that, and then as well as uh, down on Dobbins Landing, the, the entire mural that Sat1 just put down there. So that those kind of things going on in Erie feels like, like a uh, spotlight and even let's say the uh the undercover millionaire those kinds of things going on in erie um creative processes artists uh the the production companies coming in it feels like erie is is constantly looking for the avenue and and it feels like now we're hitting the avenue of of creative um people coming in and, and really just boosting that industry or our industry i guess yeah i think that erie has <coughs> to find that balance of uh, both developing that which exists here, but also allowing stuff that exists elsewhere to come into here to help influence things a little bit. You know, with us bringing uh, the artists that we've brought for those large-scale murals, that's intended to do two things. First is intended to build the capacity of artists in our area. 
you know, every time we do one of those murals, which we bring in international artists to work on, we select local artists to serve as paid understudies so that they can learn about careers right. in public art. How do you take what you're doing on a three foot by four foot canvas and how do you scale it to something that's 12,000 square feet? Mm -hmm. um, so there's, there's a knowledge sharing that's involved with that that's very important. The same thing happens with film production, right? If you have an outside production coming in, hopefully they're working with the local film office and, and selecting crews locally to serve on these productions. So again, knowledge Absolutely. sharing, capacity building. Yeah, and you almost have to have that, right? Because you can't bring an entire production crew. You can't bring all of your artists with you. Right. It's not cost effective and and really, like you said, you can find those people in Erie. So The second thing that we look to achieve through that is, is supporting Mayor Schember's vision of a world-class downtown and Bayfront. You know, we know that we have a lot of really talented artists here, but they might not have international followings. They might not even have national followings yeah. yet. But we know that we can shine a spotlight on Erie by bringing in some of these international artists to create pieces that exist after they leave. So with Sat Ones, when that was finished, we had it shared in Italy, France, UK, Norway, Argentina, all of them were talking about Erie, Pennsylvania. Exactly. And we it's had insane. photos of Erie, Pennsylvania in all of those articles, and it talked about Erie Arts and Culture and the Ford Authority and the right. City of Erie. Right. It's, it's just a spotlight on everything that's going on. Right. I, I'm a big believer in collaboration over competition, and that's exactly what it is, right? You don't need um, to, to have a negative uh, vibe or connotation to, to someone bigger coming in and like you said, supporting the community that's already here or building it. And the interesting thing is when you bring <coughs> folks from outside in, they approach Erie with this unbiased perspective that allows them to see all of the potential that exists. And so when we bring in these international artists, and many of them started their careers in the 80s doing graffiti, when they see the amount of large walls that we have or opportunities for street art that we mm -hmm. have, they're blown away. You know, it reminds them of other areas. It's a canvas, right? Right, right. It, and, and even the fact that, wow, you know, you can get studio space here that's relatively inexpensive. Um, but the challenge is, is that we as a city have always been one of our biggest barriers. Uh, we have this mentality that is almost a similar mentality we have to family members sometimes, where it's like self-deprecating but also very proud. So in the sense that, like, we're okay to, you know, beat up and talk poorly about Erie and the city. Mm -hmm. But if anybody else does it, we're ready to throw down. Right. You know? That's and, a great analogy. And I think that we have to realize that Erie is actually a remarkable city. We have a lot of things that we have to improve. I mean, we're a city that deals with poverty issues. We're a city that deals with segregation issues. So we have a lot of major societal issues that we have to address. But on the flip side, for a city of a population under 100,000, we have assets here that are taken for granted each and every day because it's just assumed any city of our size has these things. Right. That's not the case. Mm -hmm. You know, if you go to another city of a population under 100,000, you're lucky if you have a, a, a performing arts center, let alone six major cultural institutions, a performing arts center, an arena, a, a convention center, three amateur right. sports, a zoo, you know, all of these other things. Yeah, you just keep going. It you really know? is uncommon for a city of our size. Uh, and, and all of that can help influence, you know, economic growth uh, of, of our area uh, and certainly improve the, the vibrancy of our area. 
Absolutely. So when when you guys are looking at these bigger artists or like a, a bigger creative in general to come into Erie, how how is the process of reaching out to them? Is there like a like we have to get through their manager through barriers or? No, no. I mean, it's it's relatively simple to be honest with you. So it first comes from working with the partners. So in some situations, we might have a donor that gives us funding to support a project, but they also don't own a building. So then we have to figure out what's that right building. Mm -hmm. In other situations, we have the funding and the building provided by the same partner. Mm -hmm. um, but we want to work with them and say, what are you hoping to achieve through this project? Uh, once we have an understanding of what they're hoping to achieve and we take into consideration what we are also hoping to achieve, we will then put together with a curator a list of some potential artists that we think would be interested in coming to Erie based off of, again, objectives, but also budget. Um, right. And we work with a consultant that I worked with when I lived down in Florida. Um, she's originally from Ukraine. Uh, she has really great connections with street artists from around the world. She's worked on mural projects in Europe, but also mural projects in the Southeast United States. Uh, and, and honestly, a lot of it just starts with either an Instagram DM or an email saying, yep, you know, I love we have it. this project going on, this is the budget, would you be interested in doing this? Mm -hmm. And for many of them, they realize uh, this project will most likely lead to me getting three or four other offers. Um, sure. Where Erie might not be able to offer them a budget that, say, New York City would have, etc., but they're also coming into a city that really doesn't have any large-scale murals. Right. Um, you know, we have a lot of single-story murals, and many of it really relate to the literal aspect and history of Erie's identity. Mm -hmm. But knowing that there's not really much in the way of just um, abstract art, expressing right. your your style, right? right. So, yeah. um, for many of them, it's very attractive, and and we specifically. If you're looking at emerging and mid-career artists, they want to go to New York City. They want to go to San Francisco. They want to go to Wynwood down in Miami mm -hmm. because they feel like that's what they need to have in their online portfolio. Right. But the artists right. that we've been working with, because they've been doing it since the 80s, they don't care about those cities, right? Mm. They're looking for interesting walls, interesting opportunities, uh, you know, opportunities to paint, like, Sat One had only painted one other time in the U.S., and that was in 2013 in Washington, D.C. Right. Um, but internationally, he, he's right. known everywhere. Right. And um, Zeds, again, has worked all over the world, but had never painted in the United States. So to be that first city that extends to them that invitation of, we'd love to bring you over here to do this project. It's almost like, how could they say no, right? Well, well, you put your yeah. footprint on Erie, yeah. and, and it's your first place in the United States. That's a new market. Sure. And we've had folks that have said no um, mm -hmm. just because of budget or timing constraints. Right, right. Match up. Things so, have to align, of course. So with, with both of these artists, it made sense for them in their travel pattern. So uh, Zeds was leaving a project, heading here, and then going to a project in Colombia. So he had a, you know about 12 days that he had off that he figured, why not come here? With um, Sat One, he was finishing up a project in Canada, I think Vancouver. Mm -hmm. So before returning back to Germany, why not do another North America stop and do a project? Sure. Um, so the next artist that we have coming in will be in about a week and a half. He's from the Dominican Republic, but now lives in South Florida. And then in about a month, we have an artist coming in that I believe is from Spain. It's either from Greece or Spain. Mm -hmm. uh, originally, we had a female artist from Argentina that was going to be doing that project, but her schedule, she ended up getting a different opportunity that she felt was more important to say yes to at this point in her career. 
can't hold that against her. Right, right, um, of course. So we've had to pivot a little bit, but it's it's definitely exciting um, seeing folks kind of take note and have conversations. And even if someone doesn't necessarily love abstract art, being willing to say, I appreciate what this is doing for the community, for the vibrancy of right. the Bayfront, etc. But I've had <coughs> so many people talk about how now having that piece on West 12th Street as you enter into downtown has actually helped slow them down as they as they move into downtown because they're taking notice of it. So, you know, a lot of times we treat our speed limits as if they're like 45, 50 miles an hour, even though it's like maybe 25. The Bayfront's like 75. Right, right, <laughs> even though I think it's 35. Yeah. <laughs> so knowing that these projects can help slow people down a little bit, but we're also trying to be intentional behind where we select. So Right, with, I mean the pier... Right. Here it was like easy because statement. there's so many, Absolute statement. so many shots that are taken from the tower looking at downtown. And you right. have this ugly concrete platform. Mm-hmm. We've we've definitely enhanced that. Uh, <laughs> I'd say so. As you shift from the industrial corridor on West 12th Street into downtown, using that building in the partnership with the Zaffrises to transition your mentality as you enter into downtown. The next one will be on Methodist Towers, which is on West 8th and Sassafras. Uh, that will play into our West Bayfront's objective of revitalizing that 8th Street corridor as a commercial corridor for uh, the Lower West Side. Mm-hmm. Um, the other project that we're helping Sisters of St. Joseph's Neighborhood Network on is at 18th and Parade. Again, helping revitalize Parade Street and, sure. and bring some new traffic into these areas that might not otherwise come to them. But if they know they have an opportunity to see one of these works of art, or even watch someone in the process of creating them, you're more likely to get folks to travel into areas. You know, I've had so many people that have said, you know, going up in the tower to see the mural down at Bicentennial Tower, that's the first time in probably 10 years I've gone up in the tower, and (laughs) I never realized how beautiful our view of our city was from up there. Right. Um, So knowing that it it is helping engage people emotionally to the city in which they live. Right, and I think that that goes back to what you were saying earlier of... It's changing people's perceptions of Erie, right? So if we begin to talk about it in this creative, in this better light, then it's it kind of just snowballs from there. So um, I think it's awesome what you guys are doing. Um, do you have any big projects coming out that are are in the works right now, or I mean, I, maybe you can't talk about big. those things? Methodist, I don't know. Methodist Towers in total is thirteen stories. Uh, one of the challenges we've faced is finding a lift that goes up that high. Yeah. Looks like we'll probably only be able to exa- uh, access the first 90 feet of it. 90 feet is still pretty pretty darn big. And I'm sorry, I'm not super familiar with Erie. I This is my second home, okay. but is Methodist Towers at the Parade Street? Is that what you uh, No, Methodist is 8th and Sass. Okay. Um, so uh, that's a pretty big project. Um, it's it's going to be the first high-rise mural 13 stories that's incredible so we'll we'll probably only be able to access nine stories of that just because the the challenges we're facing with accessing a 180 foot lift sure um but we also you know we have some major projects that we're working on and, and really our our position as an agency is to be a capacity builder so we don't necessarily want to take on and do all the projects ourselves we want to build the capacity of our cultural organizations of our creative industries of our individual artists to be able to recognize an opportunity to serve the community where art and culture and and, and the humanities are the vehicle by which something is being explored or administered but the end result is is really the deliverable how does it change life in Erie right right so really shifting 
from from looking at everything as a, as a product to looking at it as a um, as a catalyst more or less. Sure. Um, so while the engine. Right. So yeah. why these murals are indeed a product that was delivered to us, hopefully it's also a catalyst to change perceptions. Right. Um, so that's really where we are focused as an agency right now is just how do we use our resources as a capacity builder to address the needs and the interests of Northwest Pennsylvania and then use arts and the humanities as the vehicle by which we're, we're addressing those needs and issues. Absolutely. It seems like the more and more that I get into Erie and meet people, there is like 150 groups of, of 40 people, let's say, per group that are just like dance, theater, uh, like artists, uh, crafts getting together, um, creative meetups in general, um, all kinds of stuff. and say that's five percent of the population here that's a huge huge part and it feels it feels like those people are boosting and just continuing to drive home the point and really uh bootstrapping eerie if you uh if you ever read any malcolm gladwell he talks about the tipping point is only 3.5 percent of a population you know it's really easy to think that in order for erie to change you have to get everyone that lives in the city to participate in that change and yes that would be ideal but we have a long way to go as far as civic engagement is concerned but truthfully to start seeing a change and a shift it's 3.5 percent that's what's considered the tipping point so you can take that and you can look at the city as a whole and let's say our population is a hundred thousand 3.5 percent is not a huge number right um, but as we look at individual subgroups as well you know, if we take 3.5% of those subgroups. So if we want to see um, a change within how graphic design in Erie is done, well, we only need to see a change within 3.5% of that specific subgroup. Absolutely, um, yep. And you start to notice that change occurring, and then you start to notice that you're kind of gaining a critical mass. Right. Uh, so I try to keep people rooted <coughs> in the fact that 3.5%, that's really all we've got to be focused on. If we can get to 3.5%, then we'll start to see that that necessary change. Right, and and again, those those hundred groups of forty people—that's four thousand people, right? So we're almost we're past that, you know. So I think that that is a, a awesome uh, point and an awesome place to kind of wrap this up. Um, but I wanted to thank you big time for coming on. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about your arts and culture a little bit. Uh, shout you guys out. Yeah, so uh, Erie Arts and Culture is the um, local arts agency for Northwest Pennsylvania. We're a capacity builder, so we provide funding to cultural organizations and artists. Um, we do project-based grants as well as program-based grants. We actually have our application open right now for project grants. Uh, it's due October 18th. Uh, with these ones, you do need to have at least a nonprofit serve as a fiscal sponsor, um, but we do have other grants throughout the calendar year where individual artists as themselves can apply for them. Uh, for those artists and creatives in our community, every year we do offer multiple fellowships that are unrestricted dollars for artists and creatives to continue pursuing their uh, artistic disciplines and endeavors. Um, we do arts and education where we fund arts and education initiatives through teaching artist residencies in six counties throughout Northwest Pennsylvania. Um, so feel free to visit our website, eerieartsandculture.org, to learn more about what we're doing. If you're an artist and creative in the community, please feel free to register for our directory because when someone calls me and says, hey, 
I'm looking for a photographer to, for this, or I'm looking for an animator for this, or I'm looking for a dancer for this, the directory is the first place I turn to see who's in our directory that I could point them to. So, uh, you know, whether you're a uh, studio artist, a commercial artist, uh, a public artist, etc., um, please uh, consider creating a profile in our directory. It's absolutely free. Patrick Fisher, ladies and gentlemen, Erie Arts and Culture Director. Uh, thank you again, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. There we go. Boom. <laughs> How do you feel about your first episode? Awesome.